1: If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now today we've got Raquel Butler back. Raquel's been on a few times and she's an expert in um, equine rehabilitation, equine disease, how are you going today, Raquel?
0: Yeah, good. Thanks, Glynis. Great good.
1: to be back again. Oh, great to have you back, Raquel. And we're going to talk about ten must-know facts about injury rehabilitation. Okay. So, um, as well as lecturing, Raquel, you're a animal biomechanical medicine professional. Okay, and you're um, wanting to improve the function and comfort of horses with injuries, and or just with everyday wear or tear. And this is certainly one along those lines. Why did you choose this subject in particular? Is it because you see that there's a need out there with your clients?
0: Yeah, I think um, rehabilitation is becoming kind of a more, I guess, uh, important aspect of owning horses. Mm -hmm. Um, We're becoming more aware of the injuries that occur with them. Also, post-surgical rehabilitation, if they get in accidents in the fence, we're starting to be able to recognise that these things do have effects on them that we might not have recognised in the past or we might have put it down to being, you know, a behavioural issue. So I think we're becoming more aware of their issues and injuries. Um, And, yeah, so rehabilitation is becoming something that horse owners need to be aware of and also professionals need to understand and collaborate to help the horse.
1: So I suppose before we even worry about the injury rehabilitation, we need to have a diagnosis, and, and I'm presuming a veterinary diagnosis, to get started. Is that right? Am I on the right track?
0: Yeah, definitely. So a diagnosis is always a um, really important thing, um, especially if the horse has been lame or there there has been a known episode to cause an injury, and it does have to go vet. Um, That makes that diagnosis because it is an act of veterinary science. And that diagnosis is going to give you um, knowledge of which structures have been injured, the level of damage that those structures have incurred. It's also going to help you come to planning your horse's um, timeline of rehabilitation. So it's going to give guidance on that Um, and a baseline for follow up. So it gives you a starting base, you know how much um, damage is done, and then when you do follow up, say, ultrasound or x-rays, then you can see the improvement that has occurred rather than just, you know, relying on subjective insight.
1: Yep, yep. We've got a lot more science on this now. You know, we've got a lot better understanding about equine rehabilitation than what we did, you know, years ago. So if we talk about a team of professionals rather than one professional – who would be in that team of professionals to help rehabilitate the horse, to help with support that rehabilitation process?
0: Yeah, so the team is really vital in that rehabilitation process mm-hmm. um, and that will really help with the outcome um, for the horse. So the people that would be in that team are obviously the veterinarian. Um, they will make the diagnosis and also guide the um, you know, the owner and potentially the the therapist. Um, The owner is probably, which we should talk about in a bit more detail, but the owner is one of the most important people of the team because Mm. they're the ones who (laughs) who really have to do all the hard work. Um, Obviously, the horse, it might sound a bit funny, but you do need the horse to be on board with the program. Um, If they continue to injure themselves or they, you know, are not coping with a certain part of the program, then that makes it very challenging. Yep so the horse themselves, and, and we'll talk more about that as well, and a body worker, and a, a body worker who's you know, understands rehabilitation. Um, so it depends. Sometimes you might have a body worker and somebody else to help you with the rehab. Um, the body worker is really important because if they, say, do have an injury which has created um, a non-weight-bearing limb and they've been offloading that, they can get a lot of compensation through the body. Yep. Um, And so having them help to manage that, then as well as their knowledge um, of anatomy and biomechanics to support and collaborate with a veterinarian.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you said the owner, they're the one that they've got to do the hard work. I know that they've got to put the money in as well. So what else has the owner got to do? Mm. Tell us a little bit more about the, I suppose, the owner's responsibility in the whole process.
0: Yeah, like I would say the success of a whole rehab program is really comes down to the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've been involved with a number of rehab programs with different horses, and always the ones that have succeeded, the owner has put in, like, gone, you know, beyond. Yep. Um, and their time, their dedication. Um, so time, time is really important. So when you decide, um, you know, do I want to rehab this horse? You have to think about well, do I have time mm-hmm. to rehab this horse? Because in the initial stages, especially, it will be a daily process. And obviously, as they get further on in their rehab, you know, the times will change. Um, time is number one factor. Yep. The so owner commitment. So owner has to, I guess, have a a good relationship with that horse and be committed to their well being. And I guess when I say commitment, some um, Owners may be a little bit more driven by, say, competition or, uh, you know, a certain goal like that, and you've kind of got to throw those things out the window a little bit because uh, I find when people have that sort of goal, uh, often the rehab isn't complete. As aiming not for the horse to be in the, in the best possible state, but they're aiming to reach a certain competition. Mm-hmm. So having that commitment to the horse themselves and that no matter, you know, how long it takes and that that, that they're going to be committed to that course. But also the commitment comes back to there will be times when things go backwards. There will be times when you feel like you're not progressing. There will be times they do other stupid things in the paddock. And so it really takes a lot of commitment to go, okay, I'm going to stick at this, even though I hate it, right?
1: Okay, yep.
0: Um, So that's a challenge. money obviously so it really depends on the injury but obviously vets cost money body workers cost money um you know there are ways that you can um, minimize that as much as possible but if you're say changing a cast or a bandage then that can become expensive and uh so you either need to think outside the box to figure out how you can work within your money constraints um but it will end up being a fairly being a fairly costly process, depending mm-hmm. on the injury.
1: Yeah. I suppose the owner's got to have the skills, haven't they? You know, they've got to be able to put on a bandage or lead a horse out if it's a bit fresh. Yeah. or Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so you
0: know some owners are more yeah, proficient in those types of skills, like sure. they might have dealt with younger horses. They might be have a good groundworking. Relationship with their horse, or they might never have done any groundwork with their horse. Um, mm. Yeah, so bandaging skills or training skills will definitely make the rehab, you know, easier.
1: Yeah, and and you said earlier that the horse has to be on board. How important is that that the horse is on board within the program, and and how will they change the plan if they're not?
0: Yeah, so you know, the horse. There's there's obviously a physical. Aspects of the horse, which are going to influence your plan. So, you know, how old is the horse? Um, that's going to affect the, their healing, um, also their experience and their tolerance of certain things. It's very, very different if you're rehabbing a, a yearling compared to you know a fifteen-year-old horse. So, like mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of different factors that you have to consider when you're making your plan. Also, how much has the horse been trained or handled? So if the horse is a horse that's in the paddock, had very minimal handling and now you have to change a bandage every day, then that's going to bring up another challenge as opposed to you know, a horse that's been out and around and, and kind of done everything. It's going to really give yeah, a different aspect to the program. If they've got any other injuries, so that I've seen horses where say they did a, um, a four limb dispensary for example but it came back to them having had a fractured pelvis previously in their life. Uh, okay. So they were loading their front end more and so you've got to take into consideration well if they're going to be offloading a certain limb do they have other problem areas that could actually then become a problem yep. and why did this injury actually happen? Yes. So, yes. was it a compensation injury, or was it, you know, just a, a freak paddock? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then nutrition um, is is really important. So that will really help with this state of healing. So a healthy horse is going to heal a lot quicker than an, an unhealthy horse that's underweight. So nutrition is is super important, um, and it depends if it's a wound healing or, you know, tendon healing, but. Things like omega-3s can be beneficial, vitamin E, if it's a neurological problem. So there's different nutritional things that can help with different problems as well. Yep. And probably the last one, but not not the least important, is their mental or emotional capacity. So Mm -hmm. some horses just do not uh, tolerate being in a stable, for example. And if you've come home from the vet and they said, okay, you've got to do uh, a 12-weeks confinement in a stable. Yep and the horse doesn't emotionally cope with that, then you have to figure out, well, A, is it possible? B, is there another way I can do it? Um, like, how can I work with this horse to make what I have to do work? And you might have to put them in a small paddock out, outside with another horse. Or you you have to think about, like, how can I get them through this mentally um, balanced? Because it can really affect horses sometimes if, they're confined for long periods of time, uh, especially if they don't have a friend. So a friend is super important to have, whether it's a sheep, a goat, or another horse. like That will really help with their mental capacity, and also it helps them with just their willingness to get better.
1: Okay, okay. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, because you've said, well, not a stable, a small paddock or whatever, but there's got to be, you know, I'm thinking the environment, the facilities. How important is the environment um, how's that going to shape the rehabilitation plan?
0: Yeah, so the environment is um, again a really important aspect. So, yeah, as we said, if some people don't have stables as well, and they've been told they have sure. to keep their horse in an in a confined area, so then you you have to get a bit creative. So you could make an electric tape yard. Um, if you need that horse to be with other horses, you could put the yard within a paddock, so they've still got all their friends. Close by, it obviously depends on shelter and and water um, access. So there's that environment, like of where the horse is actually kept, and then um, going out to kind of bigger paddocks and that sort of thing. But the other aspect of the environment is when you're coming up with a plan, you have to figure out what do I have that's going to help me strengthen the horse or improve the injured area. So, for example, um, if they've got a, a upward fixation of the patella or locking stifle then having heels can be really beneficial or having arena okay. can be beneficial mm-hmm. or having poles and so then it's going okay well i have i have poles so then you figure out okay i work with the pole with this injury to help with that or i have some different surfaces so how can i use those so it's Considering what do I have within my environment that I can use as part of the plan to strengthen the area and I mean poles are great, hills are great, different surfaces are great, you know, you can really use them, but sometimes we have to get creative and get things we can put our poles up on, like little kids potties to <laughs> raise <laughs> the poles a little bit or yep. Yep. you know, like little little bit creative to come up with different um things. Okay.
1: Okay. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over a hundred jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine. Maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats. All right, and what about I know that you talked before about you know it's going to make a difference. I suppose the if you know if it's a yearling or a fifteen year old or other injuries, but if we're thinking about the whole horse's whole body, you know why this whole holistic, and I know that it's important to you to have the whole holistic approach. What else can we talk about within that holistic approach?
0: Yeah, so I think sometimes when a horse injures itself, we just see the injury. Mm. And then we just get caught up. So say, for example, it's a wound on a hind leg. And so then we get caught up in treating that injury. Yep. Um. And we forget that the whole time they've had sore hind leg, they've been non-weight bearing on it or resting it. Mm-hmm. And so then sometimes it can end up, you know, you heal the wound and that's fine. But this pattern has set up in the horse's body where you know, they've been resting for that however long and they've been in a small area and they haven't been moving. And so you end up with, say, problems in the opposite hind leg or maybe in the front leg. They sometimes if they've had a really bad in- injury um, in one front leg, they can end up with laminitis in the other front leg. Mm-hmm. And horses have been put down because of the problems that occurred as a consequence to the injury rather than the injury itself. So yes. it's really important to manage the whole body of the horse and to be treating them. That's why I say, you know, have a body worker out there as soon as possible to help maintain mobility, circulation, um, lymphatic flow, fascial um, <laughs> movements because that's going to not only keep the whole body in balance, but it's also really going to promote healing of the area and it's going to significantly reduce your recovery time. So um, the other part of that is yet yeah, well like I mentioned before do they have an underlying problem because sometimes the injury especially oh. if it happened in competition sometimes the injury is just the tip of the iceberg and yeah. the real problem was you know that fractured pelvis that they had a few years ago or the weak hind end, you know, that that they've not been using properly. Mm. So I think it's important to kind of have a look at the whole body and then also say, oh, well, how can we get this torso back better than it was before to avoid this type of injury happening again?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This whole injury rehabilitation, it's just such a science. It's not a matter of just, I will turn the horse out for six months and see how it goes. We can really do so much more for the horse. And as you say, you know, you don't want to rehabilitate the horse and cause another problem, but we can do so much just by having that knowledge and and the team to support us to do the right thing for the horse.
0: Yeah. And on, you know, turning horses out for for six months like it mm. used to be the old yes, very veterinary much recommend, so. mm. recommendation. Like, yep, it's got a serious injury, turn it out for six months and that's all fine and it and it and they'll like heal to the eye, you know, so what mm. you can see they've they've healed or they look better, but they've set up those patterns of compensation in their body and you might not even recognise what's kind of gone on and you get them back into work they come back into competition, they re-injure something and you don't even make that correlation um, between that original injury. And, you know, I think that not turning them out is super, super important to getting a better recovery mm. and also to, to improving the horse in general to get a you know, better, stronger horse than you thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, we sort of talked about the rehabilitation from a lot of different types of injuries, but if we're writing a program now, you know, there's there's got to be different recovery times. It can't be that all the programs are the same or one one program is going to suit every horse. What what variations are there? What can we do to uh, assist with this?
0: Yeah, so there are different programs for different kind of injury. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, a tendon injury, um, walking is really important part of the program and gradually building building up that movement um, as opposed to say a neurological problem where a, a key part of the program is what we call proprioception so getting the horse to be really aware of each individual leg so you know they're going to be very different programs and I think one of the Kind of important things to, to do with that is to actually sit down with your professionals and write a program. Don't expect to stick to the program, but have a plan so that you kind of know how you know how it looks and also how you're going to increase it. Like what kind of increment you're going to um, increase it, and also plan for that injury type. So you know people have written. Um, like a program for locking patella, a program for a neurological problem, a program for tendon injury. But that's fine. And, and, you know, often that will get you, I don't know, 60, 70% of the way. But you need to write that program for your horse
1: mm-hmm. and yes. for the
0: facilities you have, for you as the owner, you know, all the stuff that we've just talked about. Yep. Making that pro- program tailor made to you. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: to help with that, keeping a diary mm-hmm. can be really beneficial. So you set up your program, you write it out, and then you keep a diary because it's, so. I've done it kind of both ways. You know, I've not kept a diary and I've also kept a diary. And when I've kept a diary, I've known exactly what I expected to happen. And then I've kept it, you know, saying, okay, this is what we actually did. This is why um, my horse was happy today. My horse wasn't happy today. And then you can look back and see how far you've come when you feel like you've got nowhere. (laughs) Um, But you also, it gives you a building block um, and sometimes you'll forget things that happen. So when a therapist comes along and says, oh, like this is a bit different, you can say, oh yeah, the other day, you know, did some funny steps that was very unlike him. And I, you know, wondered why he couldn't do that exercise when he could do that the day before. So yeah, that's, really beneficial photos and videos are fantastic uh, uh, for monitoring progress so having those initial photos and videos and then doing them like once a week um will help you again when you feel like you're not progressing you look back at that first photo and realize how far you've come Mm. and you'll wish that you had that when you get to the end yes (laughs) yes you know you've finally succeeded you wish you could show people how far you've come.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially when you know, just on that daily basis, that you feel like there's nothing much happening. But it can give you a little bit of a inspiration or motivation to just look back and go, "Well, gee, we're not there yet, but we've come so far already."
0: Yes, definitely. And and it can become hard on a daily basis. Mm. So mm. yes, I, that really does help um, yeah. to to kind of give you motivation
1: when you're feeling a bit (laughs) disheartened. Yeah, yeah. Now, Raquel, exercises. What type of exercises are going to be beneficial? You know, different stages of the plan. Obviously, they change, and and I know that you said that everyone's going to be different, but can you give us some examples of the types of exercises we could be using? And This is obviously not advice because you'd have to see a horse before you could actually – Give you know, give them your professional advice, but just to give us a little bit of an idea of um, what you mean by equine injury rehabilitation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Like obviously, um, seeing the horse and designing a, a plan that suits them is, is important, which is obviously what we've been discussing. But there are some areas. So, for example, if well, balance and proprioception, I think are important for. The start of most rehabilitation programs, Um, and a lot of horses are lacking that in everyday life. So, we kind of look at things like balance and proprioception, building strength and flexibility, and then building endurance. And so, that's kind of a general, I guess, pathway of a rehab plan. And Mm -hmm. then it depends where you're focused on with your particular injury. Um, It's really important to control. Movement, and when I say that, I mean instead of just letting them walk on the forehand and with their head down low, you know, getting them to actually walk in a proper, balanced posture. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: when you introduce any new movement, it's very um, controlled. So, you know, say you're getting them to step their hind legs across, uh, it's a couple of steps, and they're good steps, so it's quality over quantity, especially in those early days. Yep. Um, some balance and proprioceptive exercises, some examples of those, are um, pick-up sticks, which is where you just put the poles down in the oh, house. Oh, okay, of banana. yes. Yeah, so you put the, a few poles down, it would depend on the horse, and they're just kind of laying over each other. And you just uh, help the horse, but you want them to step through those poles without knocking them. And so they should not fall over them, not trip over them, not rush through them. Um, It should be a very controlled sort of exercise where they know where their legs are. And some horses will do that very well. And some horses will really struggle with that. Like I have a horse that it's one of the hardest things that I can ask him to do uh, is to step over those poles on the ground. Like he, He will stand there for five minutes. (laughs) <laughs> Thinking about how else do I do that? Like, he's obviously got neurological deficits, but um, and it's really important for me not to rush him because if I rush him, he just gets frightened and it's it's completely defeating the um, purpose. So, yeah, those those sorts of things surfaces just walking on grass versus asphalt versus some um, sand uh, that's really good feedback, especially if they're barefoot. Yep. And if we're looking at like strength and flexibility type exercises, uh, even just weight bearing. So if you can't get a horse out of the stall yet, you can't take them the stable. Mm-hmm. you can just lift each limb or whichever limbs they're able to do and just get them to weight bear on the other limbs. So with the sore limb, you know they might initially only be able to wait there for five to ten seconds, and then you gradually build that up, so you can actually be helping them and doing a rehab in the stall if, if they're not allowed out of the stall.
1: Okay.
0: Um, yeah, and trot poles are great for strength, heels and and stretches are, are really important for flexibility. But again, with your stretches, you want to start off with dynamic, not, not a stretch hold, especially if they're not able to be walked and warmed up, then it needs to be a very dynamic stretch. So it's a continuous move, um, not a holding stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're going to increase everything very slowly, two to five minutes every two to three days. Like it really depends which exercise. Um, You you only want to increase one exercise at a time so you know how they kind of cope with that. Mm-hmm. And you just keep building so long as they're not making any deterioration. And Okay, you know, okay. They can go back with a little bit, but they should, yeah, they should improve before you decide to increase again
1: okay so that's the insurance phase there yeah how do you measure the progress then you know i mean what are we looking for when we're measuring the progress and then how do we know uh when to increase the challenges or the exercises
0: yeah and that can be difficult um and again i think one of the most important things is getting to know your horse yep so you get to know what their signs are for like say when they're finding something difficult because some horses will get bargy. Um, Some horses will... So one of my horses, when she finds something difficult, she snorts. Mm -hmm. Um, And and a lot of people think that's relaxation and for some horses it is relaxation. But for her, I know that that's her indication that I'm finding this difficult. Um, My other horse would... Uh, the thoroughbred, he would actually stop and shake his head and stomp his foot and if he still if I still wasn't getting the message that he was finding it really hard, he would actually grunt at me. (laughs) So and as you get to know them more, you can refine, you know, how far they need to go to let you know I'm finding this really challenging so yeah, some horses will shake their head, some horses will just go faster so It's it's really figuring out. Some horses will just scrunch their nose up, you know. <laughs> so it's figuring out, okay, what my, what's my horse's sign when he's finding, you know, things are getting a little bit tough. And is there anything else that I can correlate with that? Like maybe a little bit of swelling or heat in the area, or you know, you're putting all those pieces together. Uh, As we talked about before, like your photos and videos Mm -hmm. are going to help with your progress. If you've got like a heart rate monitor, you can use a heart rate monitor, um, depending again what you're rehabbing for. But that can help give you a bit of an indication about, especially as you're increasing cardiovascularly. uh, So what kind of heart rate they're sitting at, how do they recover. So that's kind of, you know, getting a bit more technical. If you've got a leg uh, that's swollen or that's had an injury, or I've rehabilitated horses with old scars that have had, uh, still after a few years, had thickened legs. And so you can actually measure that diameter of the leg and then, you know, measure it once a week and see compared to the other leg, is it actually decreasing? Um, And that's a really beneficial. Uh, thing, especially Mm -hmm. with chronic injuries, range of motion of the joint, so if it's a joint problem, where can they flex that joint to comfortably? Um, So you're not pushing them into discomfort, you're just saying, okay what's their comfortable range of motion and then over time has that changed? Um, How many steps can they do of the exercise that you're asking them to do? So you might have started off with say two steps of back up. And now we can do six and we're doing it with the back up, it's comfortable, it's a proper diagonal step, they're relaxed, there's no brace. So initially you might have had two really crappy steps and now you're up to like six really quality steps. And and then how easy and smooth the movement is. So lots of horses are trained to do movement, but that doesn't mean that they're um, doing it correctly or comfortably. And so they'll often do those movements quick and a bit more jerky. And when it becomes comfortable, it's a lot easier and smooth. Okay. Um, horses will also stop. So if they don't want to do an exercise, I've had numerous horses which will just stop and just say, like, I'm not doing that. And usually they're right. Like they're, they um, know where their limit is at. Um, and the last thing is how they recover the next day. That's a great measuring okay. tool. So the next day, do they look tired? Are they sluggish? Are they um, grumpy? Any of those other signs that we talked about before? Or are they better than the day before? And I think it's great when they're better than the day before because okay. that tells me you haven't pushed too hard, but you've you've reached a good limit and you could probably ask for a tiny bit more. But if there's improvement, even if it's a tiny bit of improvement, I'm always looking for improvement every day rather than setting them back every day.
1: What do we do if we do set them back?
0: Um, if you feel like you've had a setback, or yeah. they've yeah, like they seem to be finding today harder than yesterday, then don't add on anything.
1: I mean, we don't we don't want to, but you know, if we do, we we need to know what to do then to um, to get over it.
0: Yeah, and not all the time like uh, it'll be that you set them back. Like often, um, you know, they can do, do silly things. So, you know, I've had horses, they were kind of recovering, but they were feeling better, and then they decide, oh, I had a treatment today, I feel great. <laughs> and so they go for a hoon around the paddock, yeah. and the next day they're not being so great. Yeah. So they can also, you know, they don't know that they're recovering from an injury, so they will also have... There are own setbacks, and uh, in those times, you take them back to the most comfortable thing that they're able to do, and you just work within that limit until, again, they're finding that easy and smooth and comfortable, and not complaining about it. And what you usually find is you'll build back up to where you were a lot quicker than before, unless they've, you know, injured something else, or they've they've really re-injured the problem, and then you might need to get get back out or your body worker back out. To you know, just check them over. Um, if after a couple of days they're still, you know, complaining and not happy, then you definitely need to get them rechecked mm-hmm. um, and sort out why. Like I, I've had a, a a locking stifle horse that I've been helping with for the last few years, and in his initial stages, we had so many setbacks, and there were days it was because of him, like he would you know feel good and run around and we had to figure out okay well when he's had a bodywork treatment we don't let him out in the paddock for 12 hours okay because otherwise he'll run around yep yeah. and then you know sometimes it was cuz the owner did too much and we had so many setbacks and there were times when he was locking really badly and, and i had to say to the owner look you know you just going to have to give him some anti-inflammatories and not look because this is part of the process and we are still moving forward and so there can be those days where you just like the owner would be in tears and you know they'd be really shit days but that horse is now nearly well he's he's competing in dressage he never locked and he's he's going absolute great guns mm-hmm. but the owner is she she had to deal with a lot of setbacks
1: yes yeah
0: to, to get yeah. to that point Okay. good so story though if you the know that they're, is they're out stop. yeah their successes out there, don't yes. stop. Yes, keep going, even if you have to back off a fair bit. Uh-huh. Take a deep breath. Yes, and rewrite the program.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I suppose. Yep, yep. And of course, you're going to do that in consultation with your team, anyway, your bodywork or your vet, or you know your yeah. other other people. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, don't feel like you're stuck because you wrote that original program. Yes,
1: yes you're bringing so much science into it. You know, you've got your expertise, you've got your knowledge, and I think you're really helping the listeners. And um, if people can get, you know, if they've got a horse that needs to get injury rehabilitation, this should help them. I think it's just a good one to listen to. It's almost like, you know, if you need it and you don't do it, then you're going to get a horse injured. But if you listen to it and understand the facts and know the facts and you might find that you don't need it but it doesn't matter if you don't need it because that's a better story anyway
0: yeah yeah and if you do need it you'll feel a bit more supportive exactly when, like yep. you've got a foundation of where to start
1: yes yes and if you don't need it and your horse doesn't need any rehabilitation then that's good for you you're lucky <laughs> you know to have a horse owner that yeah, doesn't need the rehabilitation honest, yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, every horse will benefit from, yes.
0: you know, focusing on their weaknesses exactly. and, and, and getting them stronger in all areas to actually prevent injury and breakdown. So all of these facets kind of, um, I guess, are supported also in everyday horse care and so mm. can be very useful in everyday horse care. Mm.
1: Maybe we need to, to talk about that in your next chat, you know, is how we can help prevent the injury in the first place. Yeah. Now, Raquel, if people would like to contact you about this, what's the best way? We'll have those details on Horse Chats. It'll be com slash Raquel Butler 4, I think we're up to, or just go to horsechats.com and search for Raquel or search for Butler. But your contact details, are you happy to leave them there or would you like to talk to them now just in case anyone's got their pen out ready to write these down?
0: Yeah, I mean, they – you can contact me on my mobile number, but it's probably better off to message yes, me. Yes, okay. um, So send me a text message so that I know what you're contacting me about. Not a problem at I all. I am full-time of... at CSU. But yep. 505 Yep. Um, and, yeah, just send me a message um, with your name and your details, and then I can see whether I can help you or not.
1: No, where is it Or all?
0: recommend, you know, another a mechanical
1: medicine practitioner in your area. Perfect. Raquel, thanks again for, for chatting to us. Thanks for bringing us all your knowledge and um, certainly looking forward to the next one. Yep,
0: thanks a lot, Maness. Thank, it's,
1: thank it's you. Really great. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352.
0: Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.